0: On this episode of AV Week, we honor the passing of FSR co-founder, Bill Fitzsimmons, and take a look at where the next generation of entrepreneurs and scientists are gonna come from. Also looking at the NEC uh, display solution and Sharp uh, joint venture, all that and more. Next on AV Week.
1: The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation.
2: Nation.
0: This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode four eighty one, recorded Friday, November sixth, twenty twenty. Light my candle.
3: Support for AV Nation is brought to you by
1: Sure Sound Extraordinary
3: and by Crestron. This is
0: A.B. Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news, and information. My name is Tim Albright, your host with us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week. First and foremost, a uh, fantastic uh, industry uh, end user now. Uh, her name is Dawn Mead. She works at a place that we can't mention, uh, but she's somewhere in the United States. How are you, ma'am?
1: Very good, thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Also with us is Charmaine Torella. I can say where she works for us. She works for our, our buddies uh, over at Varix. Welcome, ma'am
1: thank you
3: good
0: to be here uh also with us is mr chris bach the only person on the left coast this week uh but that's okay he works for extron welcome sir thank you glad to be back again absolutely and extron is one of our uh, underwriters and one of our supporters we thank them last but not least he don't work for nobody so he can say whatever he damn well pleases his name is bradford ben good god watch out how are you sir
2: bite my shiny metal ass (laughs) oh sorry was, was that the wrong phrase but i've been wanting <laughs> to say that i'm doing well Glad you it's, found an avenue it's been a a good day you know the highlight of the day is this uh the second highlight wow. of the day is uh i have starbucks
0: i have wow. um i have dark matter coffee and my favorite new favorite brew is called um, um uh unicorn blood and we'll yes, talk but about you
2: that
4: have a i've got hydrogen coming. oxide
0: yeah, so I guess I'm um, we mentioned the fact that our, you know, obviously Bradford been uh, with Aviation Nation for a long time, um, but he is currently unemployed. Uh, by the time this post, you'll have about a day or two to uh, figure out what he's doing next. And he is doing something next. He's not quite old enough to retire yet. So I'm just get back, back here. I'll hit you with my cane.
2: I'm just saying.
0: I said you're not old enough to retire yet. You can hit you me around 20. the.
2: First- Huh? Let's move on. So Let's Thank talk you. about the AV Nation succession plan because unfortunately that did come up this week.
0: <laughs> it actually Some did. And Some of our, our
2: favorite people.
0: Um, um, are you going to do this or am I going to do this?
2: I'll, despite what Craig wants, I won't take over. I was just Thank giving you, you, you a segue.
0: So, yes, uh, the top story actually comes to our, from our website. Uh, this week the AV uh, industry lost a legend. Bill Fitzsimmons of FSR passed away at the age of 89. Fitzsimmons was the F- in fsr and was called co- co-founder and chairman he along with jan sandry and charles rodriguez started the company in 1981. actually bradford we'll start with you what can we learn uh from the life and times of mr bill fitzsimmons spending well more than 40 or 50 years uh inside the industry and, and spending uh the good chunk of the last 40 years uh at fsr and, and helping to, to guide that company
2: uh the first thing is obviously we can determine from this cancer sucks so that goes without saying uh the second thing is the the fact he he actually did have a succession plan and he stepped away around 10 years ago and to me that's actually one of the things that is impressive as he stepped away had a succession plan gave it to not gave it sorry seceded to a woman and signed it over to a woman which in the when he did was not a huge hugely popular wasn't something that automatically occurred uh but the fact that it had been planned it had taken it wasn't a oh no something's going wrong it was the i'm ready to retire i'm ready to go do something else let me smoothly hand off the reins It's one of those things where I've seen other companies that have people's names in it and it hasn't been as smooth uh, either because of being sold or through unfortunate passings. Uh, you know, if we look at rain, what was it three years ago now when they got uh, purchased rain went away, it wasn't a succession plan, but part of that was because the rain founders wanted to retire. Uh, So I'm very happy that FSR is still around because there was a succession plan. I also think it's something that many of us don't prepare for. Uh, For all the lightness of this, of being unemployed, I spent two months writing down everything I knew so that when this goes back on or when someone else comes and takes my job, they can know what to do. So there is succession. But most people don't sit to do that, yeah. and I think that's a challenge we have. Uh, institutional knowledge is going to be lost, and there's a combination of writing it down, but also of the pass the torch before it's too late. Which I'm very impressed that that Bill did. Now, also just from a pure, this is what FSR has done. The products themselves have been have definitely been amazing. You know, I've used them. They are a sponsor of ours. I'm very happy they are. But I've used them for little problem solvers for years. Uh, the You know, it sounds funny. The the surface mount one gang plate that's slanted an angle to be a control system, to be a control interface, there's no one else who makes something like that for under $150. And I'm like, they understand the market. They got it right. And a lot of that's Jan. A lot of that's a few of our other friends. But the fact that Bill had planned... And done the transition ahead of time, I think, is very telling. And he got out while he was still able to have fun. You know, yeah. Is as you and I joke of the I'm not quite ready to retire yet, I hope Tim and I aren't still doing this in 20 years because by that point I'm hoping, you know, other people take over and I'm retired.
0: I had to do the math there. Yeah, 20 years sounds good. Yeah, sounds um, good. Charmaine, I, I, I don't want to make too much of, of the geography of this. However, uh, you were in work for Varick's, uh New York, New Jersey area. N- New Jersey seems to be a a hotbed of entrepreneurs and crazy scientists. Um, and, and when I can personally go back hundred plus years, when you've got Edison in 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 there, and, and obviously, obviously Tesla in and around there, uh, you've got a number of other ones, uh, especially in the AV industry, who happen to be in the you know in, in that area. Um, obviously Bill and Jan and, and Rodriguez was part of that. W- where is our next generation of crazy scientists? Where is our next generation of, of AV entrepreneurs where, you know, looking at, you know, um, whether it's, it's technology or it is a, a, a you know, business person or whatever is, is it geography? Is that New York, that, that tri-state area, the, the New York, New Jersey area, uh, really, really that, that, uh, um, Fertile for that area, or is it really just kind of, the, you know, that's where the the population was at the time? But we we expanded the last you know hundred years or so, uh, yeah. and there's there's other areas.
3: Yeah, you just said it. That's where the population was at the time. You know, the hotbed of Jersey. You know, where the mad scientists. And going back to FSR, amazing company, amazing team because they truly are not mad scientists, but the right scientists when it comes to their solutions. And many times as an integrator, FSR is who I fell back on as well as my clients to be a problem solver, like Brad said. Okay, we need it exactly this way. They understand the concept of it's bespoke, the system, and you can't just make everything and it's gonna fit all. That's not their, their focus. They are custom tailors. Um, in terms of what they produce, which makes them interesting. The good news is they are still uh, breeding that within their environment, that type of uh, plan, which is amazing. So there's new people, different people in FSR today, they're coming out with some new uh, interesting things um, to make solutions that are now evolving from AV to AV to IT work better and a little more seamlessly for uh, customers and integrators and solve some problems. But I see the talent of that spread out now. It could be in California. I see California coming up with a lot of scientists within that region. One of them on this call right now as we speak, um, Chris. Um, We also see um, other places outside the United States, uh, right? In Europe that are coming up Different things. So it's become really global. Everyone um, in the world has taken the examples from companies like FSRs and said, hey, you know, we could do this, but we also have this. Let's put it together and see what we have. So it's now becoming like you can have someone in China coming out with a new control system called JIDO or in another area and just, you know, change the game. So the game is really quickly evolving
0: global right. come from anywhere right now all right mr buck uh charmaine did mention the fact i was going to get to to the west coast crazy scientist and that'd be your owner andrew edwards although
4: just for the record
0: andrew comes from the from the east coast um yep, but he, has <laughs> been, he has been uh he's on the west. well he's been in california long enough he's a californian I and mean, he's got a ranch there yeah that that that's a minute, right? Yep. So, you know, talk about it from a perspective of somebody who works for, you know, one of these entrepreneurs, one of these cowboys, but also, you know, kind of where where you see the next generation coming from.
4: Well, that was a beautiful setup, Tim. Those are actually the thoughts that I'd come up with a couple of days ago when I was looking at the article. I, first of all, would just also say, I think on behalf of all of us here that our thoughts go out to Bill's family and mm-hmm. anybody that's still working or worked at FSR, I never had the pleasure of meeting Bill. He sounds like an awesome stand-up guy, class act. And he reminds me, the thoughts that I'd come up with as I was thinking about it, of my experience at Extron, right? You got the right folks at the right place at the right time with the right product, kind of like Charmaine was saying, and you set up something large, but you can still stay in some cases, ours included private and keep that family feel. This is my 20th year with the company. This is my first full-time job. I was 21 when I started. I was the young buck for a while. And next year or whenever, I'll be able to say they've had me half my life. My wife, I met her at Xtron 19 years ago. She's still there. There's been an awful lot of marriages at Xtron, ironically. Just the right people somehow get through the filter of HR and wind up staying there a really long time. So I think uh, what's interesting today, too, is there's so many acquisitions and conglomerates and mergers that companies like Extron and FSR can stay true for decades and just steer the ship forward and have what people want and listen to what people ask for and give them what they want and take all that into account. So I'm pretty fortunate. You know, our little industry is still small, has a family feel. Don't burn your bridges. The people that you talk to someday you'll talk to some other way down the road, maybe with a different business card. But I think that's one of the best things that we have going for us is this little cool world that we're in is still the way it is relationships and all donna we'll
0: end with you on this one um both from an overarching standpoint of, of working with fsr the the number of years that you've been in the industry but also how do we encourage this right um, chris made, made a very good point about some of the acquisitions and the conglomerates that have kind of come together we're going to talk about one of them uh, most likely by the end of this show but how do we encourage that entrepreneurial spirit within our industry, right? Certainly there are incubators that that encourage it in the app world and the IT world. How do we as, as a community um get around folks that that have the chutzpah and have have the uh have the the wherewithal to kind of you know stick their neck out and, and try something new?
1: Well, I will say one thing. It absolutely um, comes down to all of us working together. You know, we have to like let people know that we're a thing. You know, the whole evangelize the industry, so people know to play in our space. But I think the best way to encourage potential entrepreneurs in our space is to encourage the ones that are starting. Um, yeah. You know, the Innovation Pavilion or whatever the heck they call it at, at Infocom every year when we're there in person is one of the coolest places on the floor, and I don't know how many people actually go there. But it's, you know, little tiny little booths don't cost them anywhere near what Chris and the folks at Extron or some of the big companies, the Sonys and the, the whoever's are paying for the mega booths. But it lets them show their new unique product, their incredible solution. Some of the guys that started out in the little innovation pavilion are now among the big guys. Yeah. Some of them never get any further. So, you know, encouraging the ones that are trying, I think, is a big step. Encouraging younger people getting into the industry, like the NSCA uh, Inspire program, Ignite program. Um, those sorts of things are wonderful. But I'm going to go back to something Bradford said. And, you know, I don't want to encourage him thinking he's the wise sage of the industry. He but... is the
0: oldest one on this call. I just want to point that out.
1: <laughs> but he did point out something that I've encountered at my own company, Redacted. Um just this week. And that's we can't hoard knowledge. And, you know, so many people in our industry and in the IT industry adjacent to us and overlapping with us, you know, we're too big of fans of of J.R.R. Tolkien, I guess, because we're all sitting on our little hoard of knowledge like smog and nobody's going to get, you know, our precious. And you can't work like that. You know, When I came into the company I'm at now, I'm in charge of AV for an entire sector worldwide with my boss, you know, my boss is in charge, but I'm like in charge of designing the AV for the entire sector worldwide. But until this point, there hasn't been anyone in charge. So each little IT group and each little facilities group came up with their own solutions and they don't want to let go of their kingdom. They don't want to stay in their lane because they do have real job responsibilities aside from the ones they've taken over over the years, but they don't wanna say, oh, we have an expert now, we have a team now that's gonna come in and, and standardize across the sector. They just say, no, this is my kingdom and this is my knowledge. and I'm not gonna tell you how it worked. And that sort of idea, it, you know, it's a problem at end users, but I know it's a problem out there in the manufacturer world, in the integrator world. Y- you can't guard your job by guarding your knowledge.
4: It's not a zero sum game all bad for the same team.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, what's that expression? A candle doesn't diminish its own light by lighting other candles. No, it's the same thing with the knowledge in our industry. We have to share that. We have to train the young guys coming up. We have to share with colleagues and coworkers, you know, Except for proprietary stuff, Chris, you know, you manufacturers share with your other pe- manufacturers and innovators. You know that that shared pool of knowledge, the general knowledge, is what sparks those ideas that say, "That's great info, but what if we did this?" And, and tide I think,
4: raises all ships.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and and <laughs> you were the fly
3: on the wall in the earlier call I had today. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right, and especially when we go back to Mister. Fitzsimmons right he shared the knowledge yeah why f and i said uh, earlier today development internally which leads to helping you be more competitive which leads to longevity and succession right it's the track right and that's what has to start happening more because the talent for us to get talent in av is harder and harder we have a lot of people competing for our talent all the time and not just competition. We have manufacturers, vendors, other partners, and other sectors. And they're coming for our, yeah, exactly, coming mm-hmm. for our talent. And then it's going to, you know, the Fitzsimmons of the world, they pass away. And if they don't, you know, develop this talent and bring them in now and pass that in, then it's going to be a deficit for our industry. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And that, that's and, one of the things that is as, as we look into the next, the next year, the next 18 months, passing along that, that education that knowledge is going to be imperative regardless of which sector of, of the industry you're in whether it's residential commercial or digital signage you have to pass that along um,
1: and and one sure. last thing tim yep. you know uh mr fitzsimmons is you know rest in peace he, he is an example of how to do this not just with setting the succession plan with jan sandry and the rest of the company but after he stepped down as head of fsr he didn't just go off in a fishing boat or, yep. or still go chairman, learn to crochet. He stayed on his chairman. He came to every Infocom and every yep. big show that he could come to. And he kept developing his knowledge and sharing his knowledge. And who knows, maybe him meeting some of those innovation pavilion people sparked a new idea for him and he talked to his folks. You know, yeah. that's the kind of thing you need to, you know, step aside, make plans, but don't give up and just keep working at it.
0: Absolutely. All right. Uh, second, car, our, our second story here, and it'll be our, our last one from commercial integrator Sh- uh, Shore Ashore. Uh, good lord, Sharp and <laughs> NEC. I compiled like three different companies' names. Uh, I do that too. Sharp and NEC have finalized their joint venture. New firm. The new firm is called Sharp NEC Display Solutions. Sharp uh, bought sixty-six percent of NEC Display Solutions. I will let smarter people than me discuss whether that's an acquisition, a joint venture don't really care this is what they're calling it as a joint venture uh, according to the announcement to the company will quote unquote continue its focus on the b2b display business uh, producing a wide r- range of displays for markets and applications Charmaine we'll start with you on this what does this deal <laughs> again the the <laughs> joint venture I really want to call it an acquisition because it really feels like one what does this deal say about the display market here? Not just you know um, uh, in the U.S., but also globally.
3: Well, what it basically says those two particular houses in particular is they are trying to further develop their product set. Okay, so, so when you take a look at them individually, right? Um, Sharp, NEC, NEC. We on the commercial side use that all the time. It's strong. It's good. It lasts. It's you know a little bit of a higher price point, but that's okay. It it's worth it. The value is there. But where they fell behind is a lot of these the room solutions are now changing, and those display products are not really fitting into that anymore. So now they're developing their portfolio to get more into the video, you know, into digital signage to do more digital signage uh, display applications, things of that nature. And then you take Sharp, right, who's kind of there already somewhat, but Sharp comes with the interactive displays, more of that, which kind of NEC didn't have. So I don't know if it's an acquisition, more like a marriage of sorts. (laughs) Maybe, yeah, I think it's a marriage um, that's gonna require a little bit of counseling, not much, but (laughs) I think (laughs) they will develop a nice little synergy, once they go through their first year and honeymoon phase and they have Dr. Phil counseling them a little bit, whoever that is, and, and they are going to develop into a truly interesting relationship over time. That's, that's because of, you know, they're, they're trying to fit the now evolution of where the spaces are going together and both sides. Each one has a little bit of what the other one needs, if that makes sense. And so I think it's a good marriage that's how
0: I see it. I love you for, for bringing that whole marriage thing all the way through that. So even in, <laughs> we, even with the offspring in there a little bit. So uh, <laughs> M- Mr. Bach, who was the big winner here? Uh, and it doesn't it it have to be NEC or Sharp. It could be us in the industry. Who's, who's the biggest winner out of this joint venture?
4: Us in the industry, because they're both okay. going to still be around. They're both great brands. We've got a lot of history with the brand. We've got great relationship with the brand. I enjoy both brands and before Hisense came along and snatched out the consumer division of Sharp, that was all I would recommend for family and friends everywhere that I had to say, and what TV should I buy? Cause you know, Chris works at Extron, and he knows AV, he must be the guy to talk to about it. I would inevitably say Sharp yep. and every Sharp I've ever installed still works. Even if it's 12 years old, wow. it just keeps working. And we're talking sometimes they're on a lot, but they still keep going. So I'm glad they're still around. We've been working with those companies since the system eight, for those of you who've been in the game a long time. And remember those tanks that we used to make system switchers. Yeah. So that puts in perspective from 15 years ago. I think it's interesting how much over the last decade in particular, back to the mega consolidation comment I made earlier is happening particularly in the display industry with the race to the bottom, no margin anymore. Panasonic was making, and still is, making HDMI input chips for most folks. They were making glass for everybody when plasmas were still a thing. LG today pretty much is the only OLED manufacturer that I'm aware of for displays of large size, 60 inch and up kind of thing. So Sony even doesn't make it. They get the OLED from LG and then they put their scaling engine around it. So I think it's good in the end. I think it's more sharp. Uh, I was surprised how big Sharp was that they could take two-thirds of NEC. I thought NEC was an enormous company because many, many years ago, well, you it, saw it, NECs. It is. Real, real quickly, that, so it, it was the NEC Display Solutions portion of, of yeah, NEC. Yeah,
2: it was a subsidiary. It was a, not,
0: a subsidiary, yeah. yeah it wasn't, so I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have said it. I should
2: have said it better. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it was but, to convert the deal to American dollars. It was only, and I do the air quotes of that, 29 million dollars even though it was oh. three billion yen it's 29 million a million with an M dollars so it kind of changes the scale it a does. little bit it sure what, does what you would think and you know as I was pointing out to Tim and we were talking about it's just a subsidiary that's still wholly owned by NEC
4: okay sort of. well I know from personal experience that over the last five years everywhere I've been going because I'm a field guy, it feels like Samsung and LG have eaten everyone's lunch. Yeah. They pretty and well that, run the gamut now.
0: Especially in the commercial side, right? And that, that is, now you, know, you, you go to Sharp. Sharp one of the first displays I saw that had um, uh, 8K. Actual, legitimate, honest to God, 8K. And it looks gorgeous. And they, they, they obviously had content created for it because there's no content yet. Um, but I shoot it, it on
4: my phone. Well, yeah. <laughs> there's
2: content. Um, it just can't be streamed.
4: Yes, see, we'll put a 10 gigabit link between it. It'll be all right. Oh, gee in,
3: in addition to displays, remember NEC, projectors, Sharp has mm-hmm. equipment. What is well, other it, things that they, the they thing bring is, together into that marriage?
0: Yeah. And NEC also has their, their ALP system, which is their digital signage, um, quite frankly, a, a smart AI um, dis, uh, digital signage solution um so now whether or not from a corporate standpoint i don't know if they're a part of the display solution arm or if that's a if it's it's part of a different um component so i'm not quite sure on that one uh dawn same kind of question as, as to you as to chris you know what who who's the biggest winner here in, in this deal
1: i mean honestly to some extent what chris said yes we are as an industry the biggest winner But also, as Chris said, and as you and I have talked on this show for years and outside this uh, this show, um, it's a dirty little secret of the AV industry. Chris touched on it that, you know, really, there's only a few companies out there making the things. You know, we we used to have this with projectors. There was only like two or three projector companies. Everyone else bought their technology, OEM'd it, put their own case around it, maybe added a lens or a different chip or, a you know, touches and features but the core of it we're all from the same people you know and it's kind of the same thing in displays you know they all have the same glass or they all have the same chipset or they all they all have the same you know parts of guts that that make them what they are um so in that regard eh, it doesn't really affect anyone except maybe the people whose checks are now being signed by someone else's payroll but um you know personally it, it affects my industry, um, or at least my little corner of it, because NEC and Sharp are among a few companies that were approved and allowed to use. You know, So um, you guys had mentioned a lot of people that are taking over the consumer and the commercial worlds. Well, that may be, but that doesn't mean we're allowed to use them. Yeah. And so there's limited numbers of companies that we're allowed to use based on where they're manufactured, based on how they're manufactured. And even sometimes, based on what they put in there, what those extra features are. And Lord knows, AV people, we love our gadgets, we love our gizmos, and we love our features. So we start stuffing everything we can into our boxes and then eliminate entire verticals that can't use boxes that have all of the Wi Fi and the near field and the, you know, all the bells and whistles. So, you know, for me, it's exciting because it'll increase the product line that I'm allowed to buy from potentially. And that's good news. But, I don't see it as quite as earth shattering as you might think if you were thinking it was like the full companies. Yeah.
0: Well, and, and just to, just to, so this is also clear. Um, Sharp is owned by Fox, the same company that owns Foxconn. Right. So it is not a small corporation by any stretch of the imagination. A number of years ago, um, Foxconn made the, made the the bid um, outbid a number of Japanese companies, uh, much to the chagrin of the Japanese government, who was trying to shore it up uh, and trying to offer a bunch of incentives, and it just didn't happen. So, uh Bradford, you've been on the side of this on different sides uh, from the manufacturer side. How do you manage customer and dealer expectations in a deal like this? You know, when when it comes to uh, whether it's the dealers themselves, the actual integrators, or even even their customers, right? So let's say that that you know um, you know a, one of your clients or one of your clients' clients was standardizing on one or the other and you have to have that conversation how do you how do you assuage fears
2: uh so first thing is you say things aren't going to change for a year because that's how long it's going to take to figure things out when you bring two companies together this far and then after that you answer as best you can now there's always spin there's always the well this didn't go as expected but this is what we're planning but you look at the way Legrand did it pretty successfully. They did it slowly and over time as they brought these all together and waited till they had mass uh, to make the change. But the other thing is Legrand took the biggest question head on. Who do I call? That is all any of us care about. You know, if, the, if it's a Sharp TV, I call Sharp. Who do I call? If it's an NEC TV, I call NEC. Now there's this new thing, who do I call? You call whatever brands on the front of it. Uh, and it's not that uncommon for things like this to happen. Part of it is because as, as you mentioned, LG and Samsung are taking everyone's lunch money and you know taking, taking their uh, romantic interest as well at the same time uh, in the B2B. And it's not just displays. Think about hotels and hospitality. Think about you know all those other things. When most people think B two B. Oh, it's digital signage. No, 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 no. You look at at some of these properties. The you know the money is in the hotel room displays, not in the in the digital signage. But Sharp and and NEC did something smart. Why should we fight with each other when we can fight with the two behemoths? Yeah. For those of us who are old enough, remember when Toyota and GM. Combined on a, on a plant and built the, I think it was the Nova and the Camry that were identical. Yep. Same kind of idea. And who did you call? Whoever you bought it from. Whatever brand you had on it. And as I said, it's $29 million. Not that $29 million is a small amount of money. But when you put it in the context of Panasonic lost $9 billion in a year, and that Samsung has written off nine billion dollars for Galaxy Seven Note. You know, I, I hate to say it's a rounding edge for it's a rounding error for some of these companies. But, it's a rounding you know, error for some of these companies. It's less than a percentage point. Now I don't know yeah. Sharpen NEC's value, but you know it's what it is. I think it is a good move of let's work together, cooperation. I think is what we called it a little while ago.
0: Cooperation
2: cooperation but also you know it could easily backfire if they do if they if they don't do it appropriately like when chevy and toyota built together there were still chevy dealers and toyota dealers yeah when qsc built amplifiers for jbl cinema back in the 90s whose name was on the front was who you called and as long as that stays i think it can be successful it happens, you know, a whole bunch of places. Look at what Black & Decker and GE did for a couple of years. They were the same company, different brands. The The partnership itself, I think, is not that different from video games. Uh, and, you know, that sounds a little funny, but it's kind of like Sony and PlayStation and, and uh, with its PlayStation and Xbox with its Xboxes or Microsoft with its yeah, Xboxes. They have to have enough stuff overlapping that the third-party manufacturers can build software that will sell, like Call of Duty, like Spider-Man, like Star Wars, like all these other things. So yes, they compete 100% with each other. It's not, and now that they follow standards, because as, as we talked about last week, there are so many of them to pick from, but that they got make sure that Everyone can be successful and stuff will work together. It's, but that's pretty much what they're doing is they're doing the, here's these big companies, LG and Samsung that are taking our lunch money. Let's work together instead of fighting each other, keep our channels the same uh, blend products. Now the things that will get interesting to me is kind of what Legrand went through of, is it a chief display? Is it a middle Atlantic or sorry, is it a Chief Mount? Is it Middle Atlantic Mount? Who's making the mounts, and do models become obsolete because they're so overlapping? And that same thing happened with Crown and Sea Audio. That yeah, to it, me is the if they do that too fast, is going to be the failure.
0: I think I think that you're going to see that. But you, like you said at the beginning, this is going to take at least a year to figure all that out. So yeah. All right, guys, thank you so much. I appreciate it, Don Mead. Thank you. Uh, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, and not your company, but just you in general and and connect with you and your wonderful self.
1: I was going to say, as everybody that watches or listens knows, I can't tell you where I work. I'd have to kill you. But I can be found always on... Not this week,
0: Dawn. Not this week.
1: (laughs) True. Very true. I can be found on the social media networks as either Don Mead or A V Don. I'm on the Twitters as at AV Dawn. And of course, you can always find me here at avnation.tv, hosting the AV social show whenever we get around to recording it, and appearing quite regularly on Tim's AV Week. Don't
0: say that. You you and you and Mitchell are doing a bang-up job. So
1: I know we have a good we have a schedule now, I promise.
0: That's important. Schedules are important. Charmaine Tarala, thank you, ma'am.
1: Thank you, sir.
3: And a, Don, just so you know, Google told on you, so I now would know where you work. But,
1: <laughs> I mean, here's Google. a hint: Link, LinkedIn will don't tell Google you. Google or too, Don't know. Yeah.
0: Don't Google or Don't go to LinkedIn. Just follow her on the Twitters. Don't, don't do don't, any of that.
2: Don't do. Don't say that. I got in a lot of trouble, Don, when Tim said it. Oh, legally, um, I'm not allowed to tell you where I work.
3: Nope, No, yeah. I won't say it. But I just, you know, certain things are telling on but if you. But yeah. you find me on LinkedIn just by typing in my name, Charmaine Terrella. And at um, where I work, or just type my name in in Twitter, and you'll find me, and you'll find my Gmail email address if you want to wow. reach me personally.
0: There we go. At least it's on a Hotmail. I think I still have a Hotmail somewhere. So
4: they won't let you turn it <laughs> off.
0: I tried to. Kill I, mine. I know.
4: All right, Mr. Bach. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much too. You can get me on Twitter at out of the Bach, even though I don't do anything with Twitter. You totally you also, should because that's an awesome handle. I was glad it was available. And then uh, you can also get me on LinkedIn and you can get me at cbach, B-A-C-H at extron.com. All
0: right, very good. And Mr. Ben, last but not least, how do we connect with you, sir?
2: Well, you can get me on my CompuServe account at seven one four. The Juno
4: address. The <laughs> Juno. Oh my God, the Juno. Holy crap. <laughs>
0: What's so, your ICQ number? what you know? Like your ICQ number. It's next to my MySpace. Yes.
2: Seven. When I started, there were only two hundred and fifty-five items allowed on the network. There was no subnets.
1: So right, you How can actually
2: you find me at avnation.tv. Uh um the digital janitor there currently. Uh, so it's Bradford at avnation.tv, or just send it to the webmaster and you can send it to both me and Tim at the same time. I have my own website at Bradfordben.com. As you might be able to see for those of you who are watching the video, my office is undergoing a little bit of construction <laughs> uh, as I prepare for the going to my next phase of what my next thing's going to be, not when I grow up, just the next thing I can get paid to do. Uh, and you can, of course, find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can also find me on the Twitters at Bradford Ben. When the Bears are playing, expect me to be lampooning Tim, although this year it's kind of hard to because they're I'm doing two, better than I, than I hope they would. But my dislike of the Saints is greater than my enjoyment from Ridiculing the Bears. So last week actually did root for the Bears.
0: Is that why they lost? Yeah, <laughs>
2: sorry.
1: Seven and oh.
0: Yeah. So. Oh, yes. They are seven. Yeah. The, the, um, uh, Don's Steelers are seven and oh. I think you guys are the last ones, aren't you?
1: Yep.
4: Yeah. Yeah. yeah Packers lost to Vikings.
1: <laughs> yeah.
4: They are doing pretty well for a minute.
1: And then uh, then last uh, the Packers and the, and the Bears
4: exactly are now
2: well.
0: All right. Uh, Bradford mentioned it. Don't follow me on the Twitters because you'll either get me cheering or or uh, um, bemoaning the bears uh, or seeing really cold pictures of me, you know, exercising outside, which is running just, in the morning. God love it. So if you're ever, if you want to find something cool and, and you're into exercise, and you just want to challenge yourself. Check out Andy Frisella. Uh, this is on an ad. I got nothing from this kid, except I have, I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, he's, the, he's the CEO of a company actually here in St. Louis called uh, First Form and uh, uh, Supplement Superstore. And he has a challenge in and in a, a, um, a podcast, um, if you are not overly sensitive uh, to using curse words, uh, called um, uh, Real AF is his podcast. And he has a, um, a challenge called 75 Hard. And uh, Mr. Chris Netto turned me on to it. And so I said, oh, that sounds good. Uh, Real briefly, real quickly, this is what it is. Um, It is you work out twice a day for 45 minutes each. Once has to be outside. You drink a gallon of water. And if you're watching the video, this is my half gallon of water. I do it twice. Uh, You read 10 pages of an actual physical book every single day. Um, you, You pick a diet and you stick to it. And then no, it's not a seafood diet because that's been my diet for many years. Um, But you pick a diet, right? Uh, And there's no cheat meals. There's no cheat days. There's no cheat anything for 75 days. And there's no alcohol for 75 days. And those of you who have been around me on any sort of trade show understand that I enjoy a good gin and tonic and I have not had one in 33 days. So 75 days, I am on day 33 or 34 now. Um, and yeah, it's interesting. It challenges you and it, it strengthens you both mentally and physically. So there's, that's, that's what we're doing. And you'll find that on Twitter. So don't follow me. Uh, but go by the website. You'll find folks like Chris Bach um, and uh, the folks at, at Extron who help us uh, bring you AV Week. And we are very, very thankful for their support, including uh, a brand spanking new thing that we landed this week uh, called the AV Tech Bible. And Extron is in there uh, in spades. Uh, both they have an ad as well as, as a number of their products. Almost 500 pages. Good God, almost 500 pages. Tons of, of um, great articles. Bradford uh, wrote one of them. Um, we have over 30 categories that have listings. So check that out. It's on the website. Um, there'll be an ad at the top um, or we'll, it'll be under the resources section. Um, also, we're doing a, an event with Future. Our friends over at um, uh, AV um, Network, S T N Megan Detta and I are producing um, a an event called the AV called AV Network Nation or AVN squared, December tenth. Uh, you can hang out with us all day, and Bradford will be on that panel as well. Why am I putting you on a panel? Good God! Right um, now,
2: it's just you and me. There's no one else. Listed. No,
0: there is. I they, they haven't gotten to her yet, but there is another person. Uh, Bradford and I and a very smart young lady uh, is going to talk. We're going to talk about um, AV network uh, audio network security. Um, I've got a couple of folks talking about AV over IP. Uh, Megan's doing one on digital signage and getting back to work in the age of COVID based on, a, on an, AIA uh, presentation. We've got Manny Almagro uh, and his buddy Ben from Q motion uh, leading off and doing a, uh, the kickoff keynote. So really great stuff. Uh, spend all day with us. You get 4.75 RUs um, both from CTS, CTSI or CTSD. So again, check that out uh, at avnetworknation.com is the web, website for that. For us, though, for Aviation, go to by, by our website Aviation That's Aviation You'll find this program and a host of others, including our buddy Matt Scott, uh, the world's worst Canadian, uh, but he's the best one we've got. Um, so uh, he can. We've got
2: Brock. Can... Brock's better.
0: Well, Brock, Brock is better. Yes, Brock is better.
1: So, I just want to know which is going to be our emotional support Canadians during this difficult time in America.
0: Mm. Uh, Alanis is my uh, support.
2: <laughs> Mrs. Brock is my support.
0: Okay, so on that note, uh, aviation.tv. That's aviation.tv. <laughs> thanks so much for listening. That's Brock. That's Bradford. at aviation.tv. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. That is all the time we have for AV Week. Tell me what that's from, Mitchell.
1: The smaller version of "Light My Fire." Oh my god.